and I'm so honored to have a eight-figure online entrepreneur, millions of followers across social media, podcast with over 100 million downloads, Shalene Johnson. The thing about personal brand is you don't have to be so different. What personal brand is for me is marketing all these little unique pieces that you put forward that make people say, I identify with that. I get who this person is. You can't fix what you don't launch. You can't improve what you haven't put out there. Put it out there. Test it. Like make it super messy. And that's how you succeed. Every single time I invest in myself, I feel like I just got the cheat sheet. Like going to the expert is the thing. Time is money. Like pay them. Pay them and you'll get there so much faster. I hired a business coach. I paid her a quarter of a million dollars for one year of coaching, right? First meeting, she says, Welcome to the department. It's Omar Tsukori, and we have conversations on this podcast with people who are owning it in their department. Today's department is all about the lifestyle department how to build a business around your lifestyle how to be paid for what it is you do, what it is you like, what it is you know. And I'm so honored to have a eight-figure online entrepreneur, millions of followers across social media, podcast with over 100 million downloads, and a hip-hop enthusiast, <laughs> Shaleen Johnson. What's going on? This is so cool uh, because I feel like this is like jumping the generations ah. because I know your impact on Sean. Yeah. Uh, Cannell has been huge. I would say there's no Think Media without Shalene Johnson. Wow. And and so all the things that Think Media has been able to afford me, <laughs> I mean, it's been cool, you know? Right, yeah. And so uh, if you don't know who Shalene Johnson is, based on what I just said, those are all true things. Mm. Um, but I, I think when I think about a few OG players when it comes to personal branding, online business uh, and things like that, yeah. you're, you're just, you're at the top. Well, thanks. That's really, um, it's a bold statement and it's one that it feels weird, you know? To, like even to think of yourself sometimes as a brand, but we are. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, and I get offended when I ask people, you know about Shalene? No. Who are you? Who do you <laughs> think you are? <laughs> no. I love that. You know, and what's weird is, um, Sometimes people know me for a brand that is no longer, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like you just introduced me and, and people are going to watch this and learn about marketing and business and those kinds of things. But sometimes I'll be on a podcast and they introduce me as a, a fitness expert because that's how I, that was the brand that I became known for first. Mm. Okay. So I don't want to go to origin. We can get there. I just mm -hmm. want to first say, how have you been able to navigate just because I think the number one question people have, or one of the top questions people have is, do I, how do I pick a niche? Mm. And maybe what's the difference between a personal brand and picking a niche? And that kind of gets convoluted and people want to be known for everything. But Dude. I think your, your journey has to said a lot about how you go about that. That's the hardest thing. I mean, that is what keeps people stuck where they are. It prevents them for, from making that jump. It prevents them from being known because no one wants to pigeonhole themselves. No one wants to be known for one thing because none of us have just one interest, you know? Mm. Um, it's the hardest thing. And if it were easy, then a lot of people would be well-known. Mm. Uh, it was the hardest thing for me. I think you just have to like go, all these people keep saying this who are super successful. I am not the exception. They, this is the rule. I need to follow it. And that's kind of what I did. It's like, I, I don't want to pick one thing, but you know, nothing else is really popping off. So I better, I'm, I'm going to give this a try and I'm going to try to be known for one thing long enough that I can get traction and be known. Um, and then like once you're known, then you can transition. But I think people do that too soon. Mm -hmm. They, and they don't go all in. What would you say are some signs that you could know that it's, that it's time to you know, start including new things. Sure, start okay. Start talking about new things. Such a good question, I love this. Um, when you feel like, okay, this is why, this is how people are introducing me. P people are saying, oh, do you know so-and-so who does such and such? They, people already are like promoting you, what it is you do in your niche without you having to constantly tell them what it is, that's number one. And number two is when you, you feel like my work here is done. Like I'm no longer inspired. Mm. I think there's a spiritual side of that, that if you're not being fulfilled doing what you're doing, like it's too freaking easy now. 
and you're like, it's, I don't want to say it's like beneath me, but you're like, there's so much more to me that now it's time. Like, but that's a financial thing too. And mm. it's um, getting to this place where it's like, all right, pe- people know me for this and I want to extend this a little bit. Yeah. And I kind of, I mean, that's kind of the thing I've kind of seen in my journey. Even in this last year, I started coaching. I started a coaching program and some people joined and it was priced at a place where people could join because Omar knows the tech and mm. he knows the, the video stuff. And then some other people joined and were like, bro, I just wanted to be a part of whatever it was you're doing. Okay. I, I respect you. Like, I love how you conduct your life. Were those your longest standing followers, supporters? I would say the people that joined because of me. Yeah. Um, I actually think they were the newer. Oh. And it's because the longest standing people know me for the tech because I of the because it. of yeah. think media. Yeah. But then when I started taking my personal brand more intentionally yeah. uh, on Instagram and showing more of my life, uh, people know that I'm in ministry. Uh, people know I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur, but I'm also a content creator and now I'm a coach and, and a dad. And a dad and I find ways to intertwine that but and and it's it's not kind of natural, but one of the guys that joined the program was straight up like, "Dude, I joined for the tech and I had no idea that you can like help people break limiting beliefs mm. around the concept of creating content and putting mm. yourself out there. And I was like, that's kind of, that's what I want to be known for. Okay. I want to be known for people knowing that you're the guy who helps people with their content. You know? Well, here's the thing is when you do transition your brand, you have to, you have to hammer it into people's heads that this is your brand. And for me anyways, what I needed to do was kind of kill off my previous image. Mm. So when I wanted to make that transition, from being in fitness, which is a place where I, I did that kind of by accident, you know, I, I always was a marketer and an entrepreneur and a someone who just loves sales and psychology and, you know, just helping people figure that out. And once I became known for fitness, it was just like, once I wanted to break free, I literally had to like, I stopped posting fitness content. Mm. I stopped taking uh, podcast interviews where they wanted to talk about fitness or speaking engagements or appearances that were fitness related. I took that out of my bio, I took it out of everything, and I told people what it was I was known for, even though I wasn't yet known for that. So I would introduce myself as a business and marketing expert, and they would then later find out the fitness stuff. So you, you have to be the biggest promoter and reminder and tell people, this is who I am, this is what I do. That's so good, and I just love, I think the, the theme is that you were so intentional about that. Yeah. Hey, and, and your nose became more apparent. Yep. Yeah. And that's hard, you know, mm. because there's not as many opportunities at first. Yeah. Right. And so it's really, really tempting to jump back into your old brand, which you can do. But I and I didn't, though, for about five years. And then I felt more comfortable. Like, OK, now people know me for business and marketing. I feel safe, I guess you could say, doing the fitness interviews now. Yeah. So when you say business and marketing, yeah, are are you are, you're saying that for the entrepreneur that needs to build that brand, or are you saying for like the person that works in a department for marketing? Oh, for the just always the I, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah okay. The entrepreneur. So then, would you agree with this statement? Because I've heard it and I actually agree with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should have not said that first, but <laughs> leading the witness that the fastest path to wealth is building your personal brand. Have you ever asked yourself the question? Omar, how the heck does your videos look and sound so dang crispy? It's literally the number one question I get asked, whether it's privately in the DMs or people commenting on my videos on Instagram or even on YouTube. The reality is I believe the quality of videos that I've been able to produce has been the recipe to my success online. And I want to give you access to my live document where I've listed out everything I use, both for the podcasts I create to the YouTube videos I make, as well as to what I use for my smartphone to make it look and sound amazing. The reason I put it on a live doc is because I keep this document updated in real time with everything that I'm using. So just head over to the videodepth.co forward slash crispy, or just click the link down in the show notes. Let's get back to the conversation. I'm trying, I'm just trying to think of anything I could think of that might dispel that. And I can't, um, it's because it's true. Even if you're working for someone else, like your personal brand is how people identify you. It's how they see you. So that's incredibly valuable, whether you're looking for a mate or a promotion, or you're trying to build your, 
your own entrepreneurship, your own, your own business, your own brands. So how have you seen this? Because it's becoming more of a generalized term, mm. uh, but it has evolved. And when you start thinking about people in your world that like who has a strong personal brand, who do you think about? I guess is my first question. Mm. First person I thought of was Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Um, because it, it, he, he's just so identifiable. The thing about personal brand is you don't have to be so different because we're more alike than we are different, mm -hmm. right? What the what personal brand is for me is it's kind of, I don't want to say exploiting, promoting, but marketing the side of you that's just a little bit different and also really important to you. And it doesn't have to be like earth shattering or no one else does it, but it's all these little unique pieces that you put forward mm. that make people say, I identify with that, I get who this person is. And you know, if we're gonna use Gary Vaynerchuk as an example, it's the way he dressed, it's his voice, it's his um, cadence, mm. it's his uh, you know, ob obscene language, it's you know, like all those things um, are part of his brand. When I think about some of the mistakes people now are making in personal branding, I think that they're trying to look like everybody else's personal brand and mm. they're using the same it's like same font different letter you know what i mean like it's just bugs it's crazy and it, it i don't get it mm -hmm. but it's, sorry especially a lot of the females yeah it's like weird like are y'all using the same photographer y'all using the same <laughs> editor because i can't even uh, y'all got the same hair extensions like it, everybody looks the same i'm i'm bored yeah so how have you known to because sometimes people do that because they feel like they don't want to miss out on the trend because yeah. maybe like the text style with the emoji is the tr is the trend. Yeah. But like I've never actually I never did that, and my account grew, and I nice. just, I'm just doing me, you know. Yep. 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 Black and white box. I I like it. Um, but how do you distinguish between like okay, that's a trend that I should do, and like that's a trend that's stylistic that mm -hmm. maybe. For me, I I can just say when I see something that kind of bugs me and it feels like I'm seeing a lot of it, why would I do that? Like mm -hmm. if it bugs me. If, I, if it doesn't feel authentic, if it feels like I've seen so much of this, then I don't think that of that as a trend. I think of that as something that's being overplayed and doesn't make it stand out, doesn't make it unique, you yeah. know? And um, I think that when we're, you're thinking about personal brand, it is, it's not like all of you that you're putting forward, but it's the parts that you're like, I want to attract people who like this too. Right. You know, and it's why like I talk about rap music and it's why I am... I, I, I love talking about the fact that I have ADHD because I like working with easily distracted people because they don't, they're not as annoyed by me as someone who has extreme focus. If you have extreme focus and you're watching my podcast, you're gonna be like, she's annoying because I jump around and the way that I explain things really resonates with someone who's easily distracted and, and wants to, you know, they can't stand small talk. They can't stand all the little things. So those the things I'm going to put out to the world about myself are going to attract people who have those things too and are looking for those qualities and relate to them. And it makes it so much easier to be yourself. No, that's really good. I would say maybe the two platforms, and if if, if I'm missing one, let me know, that you, I would say dominate. Uh -huh. It would be Instagram and podcasting. Hmm. Would yeah. there be anything else that you would say like, no, dude, I kill this too? <laughs> <laughs> Parenting. Yeah, 100. I kill parenting. You crush parenting. And that's more important than all those things. That's very you know? true. It's absolutely. Like, I would never have said that until my kids were, um, like, grown, had their own jobs or their own businesses, married, and uh, self-sufficient. Because I was like, oh, I don't want to jinx myself. But I knew, I knew we were really good at parenting because we focused on it. And I always tell people, if you're trying to build a brand and trying to build a business, um, and this is counterintuitive, but read more but you all are also in a marriage or you're in a relationship or you're in like an important season, read more books about how to be good in relationships. Mm. Like read those books and, and maybe not so much about business and marketing and making more money because God will bless you and those things will fall into place if you, you honor your priorities, you know? And so I think there's uh, a lot of entrepreneurs who, there's all this like the, this, the weight of your potential really is heavy for like your generation, yeah, you know? No it's huge, like, and it's because of social. Like there's, you feel this, it's 
the comparison and just the the weight of like, I should be doing more. I should be further. No matter how great you're doing, you just feel like because of social, I should be doing so much more. But the thing that you can't measure on social is the quality of your relationships. Right. And that's the only thing that brings us happiness. And I think it's good that it came from you because you've experienced business, you've experienced kids growing up, and I would say you're a well-rounded, fulfilled human being. It's not just one yeah. area, it's every area yeah. with the most important area in family. And what's crazy is like the value I asked, you know, like is, is personal branding the fastest way to grow wealth, you know, and, and in so many capacities on a financial standpoint, sure. And also relationally, it opens up doors. Yeah. But a broken marriage, mm. kids that don't love you mm. or can't say I love you, you know, like it's it's not it's not worth going down that path. Dude, we've seen some people. I yeah. mean, and it's can unfortunate we name because we we <laughs> I mean, I'll, we'll bleep them, right? No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, like yeah. I think when you talked about female entrepreneurs, every woman I knew in my space was dying to be uh, Rachel. What's Hall her last name? Hollis. Rachel Hollis, yeah. yeah. Rachel, everyone was dying to be her. Everyone was trying to do everything that she was doing. Yeah. You know, and um, I wasn't. And I, and I, n you know, no fault of her own or whatever, but like that can be really damaging when young ent female entrepreneurs see someone who's on a stage every single weekend on everybody's podcast, you know, number one uh, book sales and tours and sold out arenas. And you're like, I should be doing that too. But then look what happened, you know? Right. I mean, it's just really, really sad. Yeah. And I, I pray that she, everything comes together for her, but the depth of the sadness and despair and the heartache that came with that is something I, I hope that people pay attention to. No, that's really good. And I, I love seeing it unfold. I, I feel like I've been following along the journey. I remember when Brock was in college, mm -hmm. you would go to their his football games. Oh, yeah. You don't live in the same city, but you no. go to the football games. Yeah. Uh, Sierra runs track, yeah. you're at the track meets. Um, and then now seeing them get married, nah, it's just cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, Uncle O, they don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's um, awesome. But no, I really respect what you guys do. And honestly, is um, is honest, it's the goal. Yeah. That is the goal, is to have all these things in alignment uh, by having the right priorities. Um, I would ask you on the, podcasting tip because you have a pretty well-known podcast yeah um what made you feel like it was time to start a podcast because right now and at the time of filming this everyone wants to start a podcast yeah. and i hope i don't know maybe they, they need to feel what you felt when you started <sighs> well first of all it's therapy for me it's like so therapeutic it helps you process your thoughts think through ideas you think through systems like whether you're talking about life or business you really think through what it is you're doing in an effort to help others. And so you refine every part of your life. I always t tell people like, just have a podcast. Even if nobody listens, it will make you better at what you do. Mm. Facts. So good. And um, so for me at the time, I just wanted, this is the truth. I wanted to honor my family. I love speaking. I love teaching. I wanted to be on stages. But that was a, um, a deal breaker for Brett and I while the kids were young. I didn't do appearances. I would do maybe one or two speaking appearances a year because I wanted to be there for the games. I wasn't going to, you know, it's really hard to have a weekend where they didn't have some kind of sporting activity. Yeah. So instead I was like, I'm, I can reach more people from this little studio in my house. And then I, and I can record it at 10 o'clock at night after the kids have gone to bed and with no makeup on, and I can reach tens of thousands, millions of people without ever having to get on a flight, without, without, without having to negotiate a rate and stay in a hotel room and be away from my family. And, and yeah, it wasn't the same ego stroke, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. as getting on a stage and having people like applaud for you and ask for your autograph or whatever, but, but it fed my soul. And more importantly, it allowed me to be present. So good. And so you just, you went all in audio only. Yeah. Um, how did, how, what were the things you did to, to get it to grow? Uh, kept doing it. Yeah. Just consistency, consistency, consistency. Really listening to my community, building a community, be, be, knowing that I was one of them. And oh, 
whatever it is I was going through, they were going through typically, right? So I've got a lifestyle podcast and a um, business podcast. And the same was true for both. Like it was a business podcast. It was just like, what's everybody struggling with, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I kind of started it when um, online entrepreneurship, digital marketing was relatively new. So we were all kind of learning like, what's an opt-in page and what's, what's this email list thing we need to start building? Mm. Like, why? Why is that more important than how many followers I have on Facebook? And then it, it was just really listening to the community and letting them direct the content, listening to them. How long do they want the episodes? How many, how often do they want to hear interviews? Like, what what do they want? Yeah. And, and really just talking and being honest with them. Yeah, I love that. I love that you said that it was like therapeutic too, because that, that means you're going to keep going back to it. And, but a lot of people probably struggle with the idea of starting a podcast all by themselves. How did you hold the, how did you, what hold do you mean all by themselves? Just like literally, I mean, was every episode an interview? Oh, oh no. no. It, I, I would say probably pretty quickly, my audience didn't like the interviews. Mm. So I had to be really intentional about my interviews and, uh, and I still am really intentional yeah. about my interviews. They, they still want me to interview the person and then give them the cliff notes, you yeah. know? So. Well, I mean, because I ask is like, it's hard to start a two-person podcast if you don't have that second person or if you don't have people you can interview. Yeah. So like how, how would someone doing a solo podcast carry a podcast through? Like what are some things? Fair use clips. That's what I would do. Mm. What you know? does that mean? Like, so, so if I want to do a podcast on, say, um, personal branding, and I, I can't get that expert on the show with me, or, or maybe, and it's difficult to do, right? It's, it's not easy, because now everyone's got a podcast, and everyone's looking for the same guests. So what I would do is I would craft that podcast script. Mm. And then for all the points, maybe I don't have the credibility or the chops yet or the receipts, but if I'm saying, like, you know, your personal brand is your calling card, it, it's your ATM machine, then what I would find is someone with authority and I would find a clip of them saying something that uh, puts an exclamation mark after my point. And, and now here's this, ex and I'm now putting this collection of little tiny clips together of the experts who are kind of making my point. Dang, I love episodes like that. Dang, that's genius. <laughs> I don't know why I have never listened to an episode where somebody was taking these excerpts yeah. and then commentating. I figured that out kind of by awesome. accident because I would bring on a fascinating guest, and especially this is really special with YouTube. Um, once we took the podcast to YouTube, thanks to Think Media, we saw really quite clearly how much people don't want me to interview with someone. They they just they they can't. I can't keep them. Mm. The retention dropped off significantly. Views were always maybe uh, a tenth of what a regular video was. So then when I started doing, it, I'm like, okay, let me. Take the same topic. I know the four or five experts that I could interview on this. And sometimes I reach out to them and say like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna feature your content. Here's some of the clips. But sometimes I just use, you know, fair use. And and fair use in podcast world, does that still eight seconds and under or can it be longer? Uh, we've used longer. Okay. Yeah, but uh, typically it's really favorable. I don't know that any podcaster Why would wouldn't be. Why would Yeah, so we're usually like promoting their book. We're promoting their YouTube channel. So we're using another YouTube clip. We're linking to the original video. So most of the time they're, you know, I've never had any trouble with it. But yeah, we just use like a little snippet. You know, you want to be short and concise. Like the, I did this episode on Ozempic and there were so many great clips in it. Just clips from the news, clips from doctors, clips from a variety of experts, registered dietitians, um, people who use it, people, you know, like the pros, the cons. I could have never gotten that from sitting down with one person. Mm, that's so good. I love that. It's like such a hack. Yeah. It makes it almost better, pretty much. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so did you start creating a program for people with Marketing Impact Academy um, after you put yourself out there and started marketing yourself and, and doing content? Yeah, good question. So I started the Marketing Impact Academy um, when I realized that I wanted to step away from being known as a fitness person and step back into my marketing, um, just my love of marketing. But the only thing I knew about marketing was n nothing digital at that time. Like, mm. you know, I knew infomercials. 
I knew how to market my, my own businesses, uh, like in-person businesses, because I did that through college. But what I didn't know how to do was really the, the digital marketing side of it. So once I started figuring out, okay, I'm going to take all these other workshops, all these other seminars. I'm going to go see all these other coaches. I need to learn how to do this. I need to learn how to grow an email list. Now I need to learn how to, uh, you know, create sales videos. I need to create um, a sequence of emails that lead to a sale, like all these things I didn't know how to, know how to do. So I, I spent, I don't know, probably $200,000 on educating myself on how to do those things. And every time I took another course, I realized there's something else I didn't know I was supposed to do. Like, oh, I need to do that first. Oh, I need to do this. And I was like, is there a, a blueprint or like a playbook? Or is, can someone tell me what the, the syllabus is to learn all of this? Like what order so that I'm not wasting time and money? Mm-hmm. And eventually I just was like, well, I, I'm going to create that. So that's, th- and that's really what the Marketing Impact Academy is. It's like, okay, now that I've learned all this, there is an order. And if you're easily distracted, you are going to be tempted to do things out of order. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not that they're the wrong things, but they're going to slow you down. You know, if the first thing you do is create a podcast and you don't know what you're doing with it. Where 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 are you yeah. sending people? What's the ad? What's, What's the, exactly? Are you going to capture emails? What's your niche? Well, all of these things, um, that's great, but it's eventually that will diminish your confidence because you'll be like, yeah, I tried that and it, it didn't really go anywhere. And always that, I attribute that because people no longer find the value in it and usually you don't find the value in it because it's not generating any income. Right. And and so Marketing Impact Academy has done heaps for Think Media. Uh, put a link to it in the description. Nice. And I will sign up for an affiliate. <laughs> Turn up. Okay, so you meant it's Marketing Impact Academy. You, yeah. You love marketing. What is marketing and what is marketing versus mm. sales and what is marketing versus Dang. brand? Dang, could you have sent me this question in advance? I, I could sound really witty. What is marketing? Marketing is, it's different now, today. I think marketing used to be sales. And today I think marketing is helping people understand what something is so they can make a decision themselves, right? And it's helping them understand like how this is transformative for you, how this can help you, how this is different. And some of the nuances because, you know, there's a lot of competitors offering the same thing. Right. So it's getting really good at knowing what people need to know about this thing that you have, this thing that you do. I think sales is helping people make that decision without tricking them into it, without conning them into it, without, without selling them. Mm-hmm. You know, that selling, nobody wants to be sold to, but we love to buy. Right. We love to buy, but yet we're so afraid to sell. Mm-hmm. And that's because all of us have had the experience of being sold to. So I always say, um, you know, the reason why I've been really successful, we've sold millions and millions and millions of dollars without ads using Instagram stories because I don't sell. Mm. If you follow me on Instagram stories, you will see I explain things. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you the anti-sell and the why I love this, but the thing that I don't love about it. And now you have automatic trust with me. You know what I mean? It's really good. Like I'm like, I, I love this lip gloss, but it's super sticky. It's tacky. And I, I don't love that. And, but it's cheap, you know? So it's like, you're giving people like the, the way you would speak to your girlfriend or your best friend. Like, I love this car, but dude, it guzzles gas. Like it sucks how much gas it eats. You know, you have to do the, you have to be honest and give people the anti-sell. And so when you're doing that, you're explaining and letting people make a decision for themselves. That's really good. I, I love that you said you've used stories to sell. Mm-hmm. Like, Let's kind of go there and talk through come some best practices. <laughs> and honestly, I, I want to talk about the way you, it's pretty meta, by the way, that you love marketing and you have a program called Marketing Impact Academy <laughs> and you have to market it in order for people to buy. Yeah. It's kind of a very self-aware business model, I might I say. Thank you very much. I appreciate um, that. But I, I, I'd like to get into the cycle of how you promote it because I see it, you yeah. do it differently. It's, you know, open cart a couple times a year. But so somebody has something to sell, mm-hmm. w- what are some things that they should be doing on Instagram stories mm-hmm. um, and why should they put it on Instagram stories as opposed to posting a reel? Well, first of all, um, I, I follow a template. So I, I do this all day long with everything, even if it's something I'm not selling, meaning I, I don't benefit from it. I don't have an affiliate link for it, 
but it's something I want my audience to understand. It could make their lives better. Mm. And that's key. So good. So I, if you are on stories and you're only selling things that give, put money in your pocket, I, don't tr- I already don't trust you, right? I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you a perfect example. I love this stuff right yeah. here. Lumify. Another Have you purple. ever used it? She, she whipped out a purple uh, t- tooth. Um, you know, a little eyedroppers. Eye drop, purple eye drops. Oh yeah, and then purple toothpick. Yes. Right, okay. Yes. Oh, again. So, I live by this stuff. I love this stuff. I am not an affiliate for them. They don't even send me free product. But when you put this stuff in your eyes, like if you, for me right now, my eyes are kind of bloodshot because I'm traveling. So, but you put this stuff in your eyes, you look like you have a filter on. Like your eyes will immediately pop. Let me get some of that. You you need some. Babe, I love that stuff. You are such. An OG infomercial person, you just take it to 2024. So because I talk about that, because I talk about like, you know, when I walked in here, I was like super excited to show you my new dental floss picks because they're lavender. I don't know how to put on. I... Oh, I'm a pro. You're going to be so right, bright be and sparkly. But like because I get excited about things like that and they make my life better. Yeah. Now you trust me. Right. You know? And and so so what's going to happen is you're going to you're going to buy these. I'm not going to get a dime from them, but it's going to work out for you. And so what I just did was create evidence in your mind that when Shalene has done her research and tells me to to get something, it goes well. That's really right? good. And so I need to be doing that all the, I need to be doing 80% of the time for stuff that doesn't have any benefit to me, but I think it's going to make your life better. That way now when I do tell you about something that I offer like Marketing Impact Academy or or Insta Clubhub, then you're like, I have all these evidence, all these experiences where she recommended something and it worked out. Right. So I trust her. That's really good. And there has to be a level of patience in that because you're Dude. marketing things. You're, but I think because your business model, you know what you're doing, you, you know that it's unto something. Even though you spend most of the year just saying, talking about things you love and hate yeah. and things like that. Well, you know, I don't want to go intent, like, it's part of who I am too. And like, that's how some people are, right? Yeah. There are those people who when you're, Sean's one of those people, like, have you heard of this? Like, you get excited about things, and you want other people to try them too, you 100. know, whether it's a microphone or gear. And so just don't be afraid to do that, A, and B, the, the template. So I usually use like about a four, three to four stories to build to something. And the first thing I do is I, I hook people to, so that people who aren't interested, I give them the uh, grace of saying, I'm not interested in this. So for example, I might say, do you find that when you're traveling, um, you can never find your bag and it's annoying or you're worried you're gonna lose your bag and it's annoying? Yes or no? And so the people who say no, then they know like the rest of the stories are not for them. But the people are like, yes, mm. I have this problem. Then I, I relate to the problem. Me too. We just were traveling through Europe and we landed in an airport where I did not know where my bag was. And I freaked out and we didn't get our luggage for seven days or ruined my vacation. But then I discovered from talking to my community, there's a solution. And okay, so now people are like, what is it? Right? So then the next story, now I'm showing them the solution, which is, you know, an Apple AirTag. Let's go. I did right? the same thing. Yeah. And, and so now it's like, and, and then I don't put a link to it. Because links, first of all, if somebody clicks on a link, I have no idea who clicked on it. Mm. I'm not having a conversation with them. So therefore, I don't have a relationship with them. But if I say to that, if I type on my screen, um, comment the word uh, AirTag, or is that what they're called, AirTags? Yeah. Yeah. Comment the word AirTag, and I'll send you some info. Some info. Info. I'm not going to say the link. It's good. Because that word, just so you know. That word is a trigger word. Totally, Go absolutely. Yeah. So I might say link if it, if it is a link, but more often than not, I'll say, comment this word and I'll, I'll share my thoughts. And so then they just comment that word. Now I can use ManyChat to automate this if you've got a lot of followers, but most people don't have enough followers that they can't handle this manually. Sure. And have real conversations. Because when you have a real conversation, people are, now I can answer questions with you. I'm not selling you. Right. I'm making sure like, does you know, is this even gonna work for you? And I'm having real conversations, real conversations convert. Real conversations lead to conversions. That is so powerful. That's the sales strategy for stories. Yeah. Triple S. 
Um, so I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll use a link sticker if I'm being lazy, yeah. but more often than not, people, first of all, again, now if someone's commented a word, we have, I can track this. I, right. I can follow them. I can DM them again later. I can, I can have a relationship with them. If I, I know if they, even if I'm sending them a link in the DM, I know if they've clicked on it, if I'm using ManyChat. Mm. Whereas if they're just clicking on a link that I've pasted as a story sticker, it's like driving past a billboard. I have no idea if somebody took advantage of it or not. So if somebody doesn't know, ManyChat is a automation tool that mm -hmm. can go be used in tandem with your Instagram account where, where you can create these prompts and yeah. things could happen. You can literally upload like a voice memo too. Yeah. Uh, and and when somebody, you know, gives puts a keyword in, it does magic. It's and so dope. No, it's insane. I, when I launched my podcast, yeah. I used it. I've used it probably, I don't use it like all the time, but I used it when I, get, I did a giveaway. I gave away a, a whole YouTube studio and it's crazy how it hacks the algorithm, honestly, because of the response. Mm -hmm. And then and then the amount of DM and the engagement that it produces, especially if there's something that's worth people wanting to engage with. But um, how, how, how long have you been using ManyChat? Is it's, like a, it's like a magic thing. Some people genuinely are like, they think it's me and I'm just I on know. my phone and it's I awesome. I know, it's amazing. Um, a couple years, um, okay. you asked about, can you sell on your Instagram feed? The only exception I think is if you're doing many chat, that's mm. it. So good. And you know, like I did a, a post where, it, it took me 15 seconds. Um, it was for uh, this wine that we buy that's imported. I became an affiliate for it. Cause I'm like, this stuff is great. You know, it's low in toxins, zero to one gram of sugar. Um, lower in alcohol, you know, just better for you in general. So anyways, I just poured a bottle of wine on our beach and um, put some of the information about, and I said, just comment the word wine. And I think I had something like 6,000 <laughs> yeah, <so> cool. drinkers, <laughs> yeah. 6,000 people commented the word wine. And now they're getting a direct message from me. That video like took off, went viral. And so, I mean, that's six. That's that's just crazy. Yeah, no. To get six thousand comments on a feed post—that's insane. It is very I mean, effective. Um, it's being creative, right? Like mm -hmm. they love a voicemail. They love like don't sound salesy. Like, right. Even in the 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 wine DM, I remember I said to them, one of the disadvantages with this company, I would say, is that you that you have to buy a subscription, but you could always cancel it. That's what I said to him. Like, cause that is that it's that true. is a bummer. You yeah. know, like I, I wanted if you just want to buy one bottle of wine, they don't let you do that. So you just gotta be honest with people. I love it. I just I, I love that you're ha you have so much fun with this. Yeah. People think this thing is a drag, yeah. and then they pay a lot of money to make somebody else do the thing. Yeah. And you've you've been able to, you know, tap into a way of promoting in such a fun way and a um you know I would say tasteful way where people actually like following you. Yeah, well, thanks. That's yeah. really a nice compliment. You have to get excited about it. Like, it's a game. You know, we were talking before we started today about how it can be, like, addictive because you, you're you paying attention to psychology, but most importantly, you should pay attention to your own. Mm. Like, people always say to me, like, what, what should I be posting on Instagram? I'm like, the stuff that you can't stand seeing, don't post that. Like, the stuff that you are swiping past, don't do that. The stuff that you're like, this feels real. This this is captivating me. Do that. Mm. Like, you know, pay attention to your own psychology. That's the algorithm. The algorithm isn't like a bunch of guys in black hoodies <laughs> in a room. Like, how can we, you know, conspire against Shaleen? It's it. We're the algorithm, right? You know. No, and it's it's so true. And I I think that's why it's hard to dominate a platform if you're not even a consumer of it, mm. because if you, you won't know, understand the language. You don't understand the culture of that platform. And and that, yeah, I mean, I just, with helping a lot of people, they're they're hoping for the magic pill mm. or like the cookie cutter solution. Yeah. When in reality, I'm like, if you guys really want the reason why I'm good at YouTube, it's cause like, that's, I watch YouTube TV. Like I don't even watch Netflix. I right. watch, I, I just, Dude, I'm just- They're crushing. I'm staying inspired while yeah. I watch, but I, but, it's it's not because I have to, it's cause I genuinely enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but it's funny how it, it, it benefits the people that enjoy the platform itself but the people that want to grow don't they don't 
necessarily enjoy the idea. They just feel like they have to do it. You know? Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, you said you, you dominate Instagram and YouTube. And I appreciate that. Uh, I did not dominate YouTube or podcasting on YouTube. Um, it was a real struggle. Like I couldn't figure out, like I wanted that magic pill too, you yeah. know? And I just kept struggling and struggling and struggling with that. And, and basically once I figured out like, okay, I just, just need to do my podcast here and and not try to create like a new YouTube channel. And, and, and I just need to be consistent, number one. Number two, I need a system because that was a thing that wasn't scalable or doable because I, I didn't have the people. I didn't have the system. It, it was taking too much time. So I needed to spend considerable time figuring out the system. When I did that, I had to, st- I had to take my attention away from Instagram mm. and stop growing there and be like, so? Like we get so caught up in thinking that we're supposed to be growing everywhere at the same rate all the time. And it's just, you know, you have a new baby that's on the way. Um, Ruby's not going to get all the attention for a couple of months. Like you have to focus on the thing that you have to triage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to triage YouTube. And um, doing so, you you literally have to say, it's okay if everything else rests Mm -hmm. so that I can pour into this. And I love it. You you had a conversation with Sean, which by the way, that conversation went nuts. You know about you know like the the podcast you guys did together in like February. Yeah, I, I didn't know I that. I think it has like four hundred thousand. He could tell on. me. You know, he should probably send me a thank you card or something. No facts, right? Like, it's his number one most viewed Sh- podcast. Are you kidding me right no, now? Oh, no, he's going to hear from me today. Um, but that you say like, if you had the perspective of never growing again, what would you do? You would re-engage those who currently follow you. Yep. So there's so much, you know, catering that you can do or caring you can do. Uh, And I think long form, dude, is like, here's what we know. Um, Like, for example, TikTok. It's a great place to get tons of views. Mm -hmm. It's fun to go viral. It's unpredictable. It just doesn't result in sales. It just doesn't. People, if they they do, you know, follow you there, then then they go and check you out on Instagram, right? right? And then they want longer form before they're going to buy from you. No one's buying from you from a 15-second video. They're not. Right. Long form can lead back to short form. Long form can be cut up and set, you know, to turn into short form. But we crave right now slowing down. All the short clips, they make us feel a little crazy. They make you feel anxious, chaotic. And I think we're going to see a return and a, a like we're going to see almost like a backlash, I think, against all the short form, quick, quick, quick. You're already mm. seeing it a little bit. Yeah. Like, you know, people just doing like all the same captions and fast jump cuts. And it just makes you feel like you're about to have a seizure. Right. You know, and I think that people really crave a conversation. It's funny how you say that. So a couple a couple weeks ago, uh, Ruby, it was the day before Ruby was turning five. Uh-huh or a couple of days, and I was like, Ruby, let's shoot a podcast at the studio. And <laughs> and this is called a legacy podcast where you interview a loved one for the sake of personal documentation. Yeah. And so it was so cool. Is it up? Uh, it's not public, Yeah. but I posted a clip of it. Yes. It, I mean, currently has 150,000 reels views. Oh my gosh. No captions. Yeah. It's just Ruby, and, and she made me crack, crack up like crazy. <laughs> and the amount of comments of people that said, I've watched this 15 times. Mm. Bro, this is the most wholesome thing I've seen Aww. on my feet all day. And it just, it is enlightening about what it is people want to see online. Yep. They want to yep. see real life, honestly, yeah. and um, and authenticity. and Like we know it's hurting our brains. Like we 100. know it's making us crazy. We know it's making it hard for us to connect with our loved ones. Mm-hmm. We know it's addictive. You know, we take our phones into the bathroom. Yeah, like, crazy. you know what I mean? Like it's crazy, but yet we, it's like we can't put it down. And so I think long form is like, like, but this help. I can't put it down, but this slows me down, mm. you know? So good. So you talked about the consistency and then the system. Mm. And many times your system involves virtual assistants. <laughs> Always, yeah. Okay. I, I have not yet to tap into that. And I know it's because I'm oh. just, it's an, un, I mean, unknown, unknown territory oh, for me. So yummy. Um, and... So yeah, what would be like- Shout out to Paul and Noy and oh my God, our team is so good. Jules, I love you guys. Like they're amazing. 
how do you find a VA? And I don't know, like you've built a lot of your business around. Okay, using you got me excited. It. All right, let's, let's go. go, let's go. Here we go. So number one, you put out an ad on Upwork or wherever you want, and you tell, you hire five or six people to do the same job for a project. Wow. So for example, when I was looking for YouTube editors, I hired five of them at the same time to edit the same video. And I said, this could turn into more project work. Okay. So then once I had the three back that I liked working with, that they were responsive, I liked their styles, all those things, then I gave them more work for the next two weeks, but I wasn't overlapping. So I gave them each different projects. Now I'm getting a, a yeah. sense of like, how responsive are they? Do I like their personality? Um, do I vibe with them? Also, now I'm setting up times to interview them face to face on, you know, Zoom, because I, I want to know who they are. I want to know, do will they are they going to fit with our culture? Mm. Like, do they understand me? Do I like them? T I want to know about you, right? And so then once we've got that, then we bring them on for we'll give them a short, short amount of work, small window. So we'll say, okay, we're going to do this for the next two months in a small amount of work. And again, I usually keep two of them on because sometimes with VAs, they just kind of disappear because they don't feel connected to a team, mm. right? Uh, I communicate via WhatsApp. Um, I love working with most of, not all, but a lot of my VAs are in the Philippines. Um, exceptional English, uh, family values. Um, I like their time zones. So when, I, I like to film like late at night and that's when my editors are like just waking up and they're just they're just awesome. And we just, well, I'll be like, all right, we I wake up in the morning and now I've got my first edition, you mm. know, to look at. And we Heck. just have a system in place. But so I tell people, hire part-time temporary so that you can decide, can I expand this and expand this? And then remember that they're actual human beings, mm -hmm. have real conversations, get to know them, care about them, understand their culture if they're you know not in the US. And um, it's incredibly rewarding. I mean, most of our, a lot of our VAs have been with us for like 10 plus years. That's insane. Yeah. So is there any like task or job that you felt like just, it couldn't be a VA? Couldn't be a VA. Cause my, my limit, limiting beliefs is like, I want somebody to write emails for me. Okay. So I, I, when you say VA, that's a, that's a consultant. So we, we love working with consultants. Love it. We switched our model from almost all employees to consultants. Mm -hmm. um, over It took us about two and a half years to do that. And it is so dope. It's so rewarding on both, both ways, right? Because what I'm teaching people to do is be their own boss. Right. So how can I teach... People, how can I have this team of people Say who that. are helping me teach others how to be their boss and I'm their boss? Like, you know what I mean? I literally resonate with that. And the reason is, is because video people, like a lot of people want their video person to be a, a, a w, like a grinder employee, but they're working for an entrepreneur who's saying freedom, lifestyle, right, do right, what you want. Right. And it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and so it's, I think it's inauthentic, number one. Number two is it's great because if they're a consultant, they have other clients. So you have to show up and be a good client mm. and they have to show up and be a good consultant. Like it is literally a two-way relationship versus when you have an employee, sometimes it's like, oh God, they're, they just start mailing it in and now you, you're like, oh, now we got to fire, we got to hire somebody else and there's tax, you know, all these things. When it's, you're in business for yourself and you're a consultant, it's feast or famine, right? So you have to show up and your client has to be a good client. That's like, really so I have good. to treat our consultants really well. I have to pay them well. I have to, I have to honor and respect them and let them know how much we appreciate them and value them. And so we treat them like family and um, just have an amazing team of consultants. And so the expectation is, do you ever like coach them in business then is you is there's opportunities like, sometimes no. oh, okay. yeah sometimes yeah and you know that's the rub is sometimes you're uh if you're working with a consultant they can grow to the point where they're no you're no longer their number one priority or they, they're this has happened many times where we've worked with a consulting agency that was like a one or two person team and they get really good we start referring them a bunch of people and, and now now we're working with um you know like a 
one of their staff members who's lower on the totem pole, sure. not as skilled, and we're, we're, we just don't get the same quality of expertise, care, et cetera. And so we'll just have an open conversation. So for me, it's, it's not necessarily getting rid of a consultant. I might say like, hey, let's reevaluate the contract. Let's, I like, still really like working with your agency, but it's not the same level. So how can we, how can we continue this relationship, but we need to alter mm -hmm. the contract? Yeah, that's really and good. sometimes I can think of another example where I no longer needed them doing the work for us. What I wanted them to do now is I pay them a huge hourly once a month for an hour with my team. So, you know, for example, uh, somebody who was running our Facebook advertising, let's just give this example. Um, this is not the exact one, but like, so they're running our Facebook advertising, they're doing all of that for us. I bring, the, the quality of the work starts to get less and less because now they've got lots of clients. So then I start bringing people, other consultants on to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm. And I pay the consultant who I originally hired to teach them it's good. The my consultants how to do that. I just I do this all the time. Now I'm going to pay whatever the rate is for that hour. I might pay you a thousand dollars for your hour, but that thousand dollars I'm training the new consultants that I've hired. So it's just being really honest about communication and realizing there's always a way to make this work and and not to have to burn a bridge. What when you say consultant is that like interchange for contractor? Yeah, contractor consultant, yeah. sure. I mean, I think consultant. I'm like, dude, high level individual. Uh, it's like an expensive one hour. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both, right? Yeah. So I, I bring a lot of people on for contract work, okay. which can be indefinite. Yeah, you know, no, that's really good. So like, you would consider yourself a lifestyle entrepreneur, which maybe could have a a bad. <laughs> what would, how would you define a lifestyle entrepreneur? Yeah, I don't know. Would you tell me? No. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of different brands and businesses. So I, I'm at a stage where I always tell people, don't try to do what I'm doing because you're not as old as me and you haven't been doing this as long and you probably aren't, aren't known for one thing. So now because I have, my husband and I have built so many different brands mm -hmm. and businesses, that we a lot of times are talking about how to manage life and how to live your best life in whatever season you're in. You know, and it used to be talking about helping people to understand like, if you really truly want freedom and if you want stability, the riskiest thing you could do is like stay in a job and not be building an additional stream of income. Like that's really risky yep. and it's kind of scary. So let us help you figure out how to build those additional streams of income. But at the same time, what makes us different is we're gonna teach you how to do this so that you don't jeopardize your kids, your marriage, your mental health, your physical health, because those things are all way, way, way more important. And so um, all in every season of our lives, that's just kind of what we've been helping people to do. So it's, you know, I, I sometimes hear people say that they're a, a, a lifestyle expert. I don't really know how else to categorize us um, other than to say, I just want to help people figure out how to be much better in the season that they're in. Mm. And every season's different. You know, what you focus on changes. It needs to. And people don't take the time to sit down and go like, why do I feel off? Mm -hmm. what, 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 what is off? I feel like something is off and I don't know what it is. And they don't actually sit down and go like, what matters the most to me? Am I hitting the mark in that area? We just go to the thing that we're really good at you know, and I can say this because I did that for many years. I just kept grinding as, you know, like an addictive entrepreneur, addicted to work. And it took a toll on our marriage. Mm. It took a real toll. And it got us to a place where I didn't know if we would make it. So we had to come together and do the hard work and figure out what do we want? What needs to change? And, and that's when I really recognized if I'm gonna teach other people how to do this, I'm gonna make sure they don't do it and burn the house down. So wise. You talk about that it's risky staying at a job, mm -hmm. but you've taken risks in business. Yeah. Um, and you'd say a mistake you've made is putting a little bit too much energy in work. Uh, like, is there any other like mistakes you've made that you can like help a guy like me who's 32 and just make sure, bro, chill? Dude, so many. First of all, um, you're married, 
it, does your does your wife help put on the brakes? Um, well, she helps it with the business, but as far Will as she like, say, okay, that feels like too much. The 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 last the last time we had like a a moment where I chose Amanda, it was like I I committed to a uh, keynote in 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 LA okay speak at a business conference and I knew I was gonna be able to sell from stage and so I was like this could be a really good day yeah and she sent out the invites for our baby shower and it was literally the same exact time I'm on stage to a hundred people family and friends and we had a moment it was mm, like mm. what are we gonna do and I, I I do have like I have a pastor I have someone who corrects me and so my thing I I my thing was I don't want I wouldn't She's gonna forever remember that I wasn't at this baby shower. Mm. Not that mm. I made whatever, 10, 15, right, or 20 K yeah. on in a day. So I'm choosing the baby shower. You Sorry, did? bro. Yeah, of course I did. That's awesome. But most people wouldn't, by the way. I I, I, I would see why, you know, because they are Well they if you don't have your values in writing, if you haven't good. discussed your values and also at my estimation, put them in writing, when they get called into question, it's easy to push the borders, because mm -hmm. you can say things to yourself like, well, this is how I'm going to provide for that baby. This is how I'm gonna make things more comfortable when the baby arrives. Like there's all these things that you can like convince yourself it's the right decision, even though internally you know like this is, why do I feel conflicted? You feel mm -hmm. conflicted because it doesn't align with your values. Right. And, and people, if you just let your values bounce around in your head, it, they just get blurry when opportunities come. So my suggestion would be to, you know, with your, if you have a significant other, sit down with them and, and ask them, sit down and really write out like what matters to us. Mm. Give specific examples. If this comes up, what would we do? How would we handle it? We gave, and we, we called it a priority clarity statement, Brett and I, and we still do it regularly. Uh, every season, you have to reevaluate that, right? So we, we just made very clear decisions on and put those priorities in writing so that when those opportunities came, because like I was at the peak of my career when my kids were little, that's when like all, and you just feel like all these, these things are never gonna come my way again. It's crazy. But they will. Yeah. But what will never come your way again is the opportunity to get it right as a parent. That'll never happen again. You don't get a do-over. Dang. Say that, speak the truth. Mm -hmm. um, you, I had a brain fart. <laughs> Let me, let's stay in for a hot second. Yeah, I would also okay. say delegating too, like, man, that's taking the time to get your time back because it takes time. You know, mm -hmm. every person that you bring onto your team gives you more time with your family, gives you more time with yourself, gives you the time to be creative, gives you the space to do what only you can do. But we get going so fast that we're like, oh, man, I, I need that, but I don't have the time to find someone to give me back my time. Mm. But you can't afford not to do that. That's really good. And like you're, you're just a very patient individual. I think meekness, which is a one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, is power under control. Mm. And I see the way you promote your program in like two years, like very hard, two times a year. Yeah. And then the rest of the year, you're kind of just building the brand. You're, yeah. you're posting about eye drops and yeah. uh, flossers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, how did you arrive to a model like that where mm. you pr essentially promote two times a year? Sometimes we don't. Like right now, we were going to do a promotion right about now, and we decided not to because I want to rebrand the program. I think that the industry is changing, and so therefore, I just go by what feels authentic and right. Mm -hmm. So there's been times where we have pr have, haven't have pr promoted it all that year because I felt like I needed to spend more time developing the programs that were in it. Um, but the honest truth is why we went to two times a year is this. I hired a business coach. I paid her a quarter of a million dollars. Quarter of a million dollars for one year of coaching, right? And you're gonna say what she taught you. Go ahead. So crazy. First meeting, she says, how come you only open up this academy one time a year? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I guess because that's what other people do. And she's like, well, don't do that. Do it twice a year. And I'm like, doing, okay. And like literally, she, we 5X'd. 
what what we were paying here, we five x that by doing another launch. You know right. what I mean? Like it was just sometimes the most obvious thing. Someone who's got the receipts and the credibility to say like, wait, why are you doing this? Right. And you've thought about it, but you don't have a good answer. So that's the that's the answer is why we went to twice a year. Nonetheless, I still, um, if it doesn't feel right that year, if we've got other things I want to pour into, yeah. I will never sacrifice my mental health or my relationship with my family to make a buck, ever. That's good. What? So you paid this person. You obviously in, in value investing in yourself. Yeah. How much have you invested in yourself? Dude. Dude. Because <laughs> I, I think a lot of people that actually know me don't know the power of coaching. Oh. I joined my first like mastermind this year and it was like a hefty investment. But I'm so grateful for it. I already made the money back. I mean, I, now I'm coasting like, yeah. kind of type idea. But yeah, so. I, I, in excess of probably two or three million. That's fire. That's kind of crazy when That's you think about like cool. how much an MBA would cost from Harvard or whatever. Yeah. I asked Sean that same question recently. And I, I don't, <laughs> the reason why is the first person I invested with was Brian Tracy. Mm -hmm. And I, I drove around listening to his audio cassettes in my car. That's how long ago it was. And I remembered in one of those cassettes, he said that for every dollar you invest in business and personal development coaching, you receive on average a $7 return. Snap. And I thought, okay. So here I bought this like $99 cassette program. And sure enough, like I was like, oh, I, I made like 10 times that from this little program. And so I just kept testing it. Like, well, what if I, what if I paid for a seminar? What if I paid for a workshop? What if I paid for a three-day intensive with Brian Tracy? And I spent, that was a, the biggest check I at the time. It was $17,000. Mm. And I went to a three-day workshop with him to learn how to become a, a best-selling author. And even though I spent that money I, and, and it was valuable, I still learned at that workshop that there was, I still needed to hire more people. Mm. And every single time I invest in myself, I feel like, I just got the cheat sheet. Like yeah. going to the expert is the jam. Like that's the thing. That's There's no shortcuts, but the long ways try to figure things out yourself. Like go to the person who's already figured this out. So, pay, you'll, time is money, like pay them, pay them. And you'll get there so much faster. I love that. Seven X return on every dollar yeah. you invest in yourself. Um, you, okay. Has that been true for you? I mean, I, in, in less than a month of the investment I made, I 2X'd it. Yeah. And I think it's because it it creates a void in you that like, I need to do something about this. Yeah. At least that's what I felt. And so I need to put another offer out there. I need to test something. I need to, it made me do something. But I would ask you the question because there are people that are like educational snobs and they just like learning and absorbing, mm. but their implementation or the speed of implementation is fairly slow. I would even say in some cases I overthink so even though I know the information and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's something I need to do, I'm just kind of slower to implement it. But how do you, how that's do you? That's fear. Yeah. Yeah, that's just fear. Yeah, okay. and, and we have those um, lifelong students and I, they drive me crazy. They really do, they keep me up late at night. Mm -hmm. I wanna refund their money because, and I also wanna give their parents a good lecture because the reason why those people are afraid to pull the trigger is because someone has done a number on their confidence mm -hmm. so they believe everything has to be perfect. It's gotta be, so you gotta make it messy. You can't fix what you don't launch. You can't improve what you haven't put out there. And you're not gonna make any money on this thing that you just keep worrying about. Is it the right font? Is it the, are there typos? Is this the right thing? Like put it out there, test it, like make it super messy. And that's how you succeed. But most people think if I just keep investing and investing and investing and learning, like there's gonna be this magic moment whenever, no, you, you just, you have to fail as fast as you can and as frequently as you can. Mm, so good. And then the last thing I just want to cover is you talked about how the industry is changing or like yeah. you, you could feel a change yeah. in what online education yeah. and coaching. Yeah. So what would you see are those changes? I think that becoming an online entrepreneur was a lot easier 10 years ago because social now is so complicated mm. right like think about instagram it used to be just post a square photo right now instagram is it's instagram shorts and it's many chat we're talking about dms and we're talking about going live and your bio and reels Threads. and 
yeah, all these things, right? That in and of itself is like full time. So now if I have someone who's brand new, especially someone who, who I is my avatar. So she's 40 years old, 45 years old. She knows she has something to offer the world. She knows she wants to start something of her own, but she has never done this before. That's quite a learning curve. That's a, a heck of a learning curve compared to what it was 10 years ago. There's so much to teach. There's so much to learn. And I'm, I'm getting the sense it's too much to learn for some. Mm. And so I, and I think there will always be those people who are like, I want to figure it all out myself. And I think there's going to be those people who are like, can you do it for me? And let me just plug in right. me. And um, so I think that we're going to see a lot more done for you and done with you. I think that the power of courses is still going to be there, right? But I also think that a lot of people are going to want to go directly to the source so you can tell me specifically about my situation, what I need to do. It's good. Because a lot of people can't figure that out. Like you can tell them all the different ways to figure out your niche, but they're like, but can you just tell me what it is? Yeah, right. You know? So I, really think, I think there's going to be a lot more um, need for personal coaching and done for you services. The pendulum. Yeah. It always swings. Yeah. That's good. Thank you so much for being on. So fun. That was such an enlightening conversation. Really? And uh, I respect everything you do, but more than that, respect who you are. And every time I see you guys, I'm like, golly, that's goals. <laughs> like literally pulled up to oh. the studio. Brett's in his athleisure, just cut through his stuff <laughs> with his tats. And then you come out like decked out and you're like, yeah, we went to the gym. Oh. Like, oh, okay. Oh, man. We, um, we are, we're living yeah. the good life right now. We're in that season night. So I really appreciate that. And I know you're in, you're in the thick of it. But man, you're just a, such a great dad and such a great team around you. And I feel the same way about you and Sean and the family that you guys, the company that you keep. It's I'm very loyal. I appreciate you. Yeah. Excited. Let's party. We're celebrating Sean, 40-year-old Sean <laughs> at his turn-up 40-year-old bash. When but, did he go gray? Like at 24? Dude, he went gray <laughs> at 18. <laughs> It started with like a little pad. Anyway, I love it. Uh, department, thank you so much. Check out the show notes for everything. Um, if you want to look uh, at what Shaleen's doing, tap in all that stuff. Links listed below. Uh, but thank you so much. We'll catch you in the next episode.